Speaking of stewing your juices, welcome to Killer Cereals. This is Tony Jones. That's not, you got to redo that intro, buddy. <laughs> no, no, this is the intro. This is the intro. Hey, this is Ryan Parker, uh, live from you, a blanketed Ryan Parker in the wilds of East Hollywood, where we're entering yet another heat wave this week. Golly. Tony. I mean, it's October, bro. Meanwhile, uh, is that a I, dot matrix printer you got going on in the background? Yeah, I'm trying to record a podcast and my son's printing stuff out in the printer that's right next to my microphone. And the uh, sprinkler guy is here blowing out the sprinkler pipes for winterization. Because that's what you got to do in Minnesota. So I can tell you, I, today was the first day I ever learned that that's a thing. You didn't know that. You blow well, out sprinkler water, systems. You know what? You know what happens to water when it freezes is it expands, and if you don't you blow out your pipes, pipe you burst the pipes. Okay, I have to do one uh, correction because last week on the podcast I said that Apple TV Plus is not available on the Roku, and it is available. But it's not available on my Roku TV, which at like two years old is supposedly too old to support the Apple TV app on Roku, which is in madness. It's madness. It's like, kind of BS. It's planned obsolescence. It's BS. Like what? Yeah. What you could can update possibly that software. Be, <laughs> what could possibly be so technical about a, a Roku app that my two-year-old Roku TV cannot play it? That's madness. So, anyways, I can't, watch us, Ted, Tony. I can't watch Ted Lasso unless I watch it on my computer, which I will do. I will try it. But what I want to do when I'm going to watch TV is I want to sit in my comfy recliner with a beer by my side, hope, you know, possibly a pumpkin ale brewed by you. Yes. And I want to, I want to be comfortable and just watch it in my living room. I don't want to sit at my desk. Here's the deal, what are Ryan. You, 50? I don't know about what are you. you? <laughs> yeah, fifty-two. Who watches? Bro, who watches it on TV anymore? I freaking sit at my computer all day. Why would I want to then come back down to my office That's and sit at my point. computer at night? That's true. That's true. Yeah, I don't want to. I watch it on my guess, television. I watch. I watch it on the screen. I make Amy go to the office when she's working from home. There must be a way for me to mirror my iPad to my roku tv or something but of course apple does hey, not make that surely easy, one so. of those kids one of those kids that moved back home could figure that out for you they're all so busy they don't have time for dear old dad dear old dad oh that's me wah, wah. so okay, i can't speaking... wait for you to watch ted lasso because we we listened to recently a friend of mine and i uh on our a little quick jaunt to pick up some home brewing supplies we listened to the Brene brown podcast interview with jason sudeikis and brendan hunt about ted lasso no so kidding. it's it's in the ether man they, this show i tell you it's it's taken 2020 by storm a pandemic of its own wah wah okay speaking I'm of here, man. um speaking of pandemics let's talk about rectify 404 baby Rectified. Oh, for, so I know good. I heard you sipping coffee. After, hey, after for, a chill last week, this week kicked it up a notch. I thought, you know so what, good. you know what we needed more hunting. That's what rectify has been missing is hunting. I knew I, I looked over at Amy and I said, well, Tony's <laughs> going to take the lead tomorrow. Here we go. Oh, and there's one we other more. And you know what else we need more of? We need more Chloe. <laughs> we all need more Chloe oh, in our lives. Come on. 
Come on. She's so Chloe, good. She's so, Chloe does not disappoint. She is she just is like the gelato. Say gelato one more time. Gelato. You know, I was like the same mano, at the Sam Jackson gelato. She is yeah, just she's the sultry. gelato whisperer. She is just sultry, sexy, and don't touch me, I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah. And like I can read people really well. She's she's, she's exactly what Daniel needs. Yep. Okay, hunting. Um, tell me about your well, and your love but, of that two-minute scene. One other episode when you looked, when you looked across, when you looked at Boss Lady, who I'm sure was sitting at arms, you know, six feet socially distant from you on the couch with Flynn between you, and you said, "Oh, Tony's going to talk about this." What was it? The scene in it? the episode. Yeah, what's what the one other scene in the episode that just confirms I can, I can make everything? A, you can't. Think I could make a joke. I, I, there's two. I could make a joke, but I could tell you the real one, or I could tell you the joke one. <laughs> tell me both. The joke one would be the final scene <laughs> with uh, Daniel's <laughs> roommate just going oh, at it. No, gosh, no, seriously. So <laughs> I know we're gonna come back to that. I know um, you think the, me whenever wait, you no, see episodes. Ted, stop it. it. Ted, Ted, Senior, sitting in the chair, not watching TV. <laughs> David, oh my God. <laughs> They even show Teddy? the TV not on, Ryan. They show the TV like, not on. I wanted to say, was this supposed to be a visual effect? Were they supposed <laughs> to put back in something and they just forgot to do it? Because Ted's just sat there by himself in, <laughs> in the living room. What a weird scene, right? And again, just the total dysfunction of, of that house and that relationship, that family. Because Janet, there's finally some, some interaction between Janet and Jared. Uh, and she is sensing and she knows deep down that she's not a great mother to him. Yeah. But Jared, to his credit, he, I mean, maybe not to his tr- credit, but he just kind of brushes that off. But well, the let whole me time, just say, leading just up down to there that, in the living room, no TV. What's he doing? <laughs> what? Okay. First of all, let's just say if I thought there was going to be somebody who was going to get caught masturbating in this episode, I thought it was going to be, J- there's Jared, like, in the attic huddled over a computer and i thought oh here we go he's she's gonna walk in on this is gonna be all, yeah he's like a 15 year old boy huddled over a computer in the attic oh no he's just selling furbies but yeah ted is like fully reclined in the recliner in the living room staring at a tv that is off and i'm like that's ray mckinnon he he's like he hates tv i think ray mckinnon hates tv so listen we're listen we're gonna have <laughs> scott teams on next week for his scott, final are you listening if you're listening appearance. be prepared no. to to talk no. about the 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 whole family never <laughs> watching tv have we two things uh we're gonna also um hopefully well, we're going to run this by him to run it by Ray. Let, at least let's see if, if Ray can't come on the podcast, then at least maybe he can answer a question from afar. And Tony's burning question is, why is the TV always off? Yeah, the, but nobody in that family watches insight. TV. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, let's talk about the hunting scene for a second. First of all, okay, well, a lot of people, when they watch a television show or a movie... They are, you know, watching very carefully to see if it's done correctly. So, like, I'm a baseball umpire. There are lots of baseball scenes in movies 
And a lot of times umpires are portrayed, like for instance, you'll see an umpire in a commercial or a TV show with his hat on backwards and his mask pulled down over his face. Never, ever, ever would an umpire turn his hat around backwards. So it's it's like a cliche thing. You know what I'm saying? So you look for things or uh, up here in Minnesota, we see a lot of, you know, there's a lot of like hockey scenes in movies or whatever. And you can just tell like these guys can barely skate these guys who are in. Um, now they film the Mighty Ducks up here. And so there there are authentic movies or miracle that have authentic hockey scenes in them. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, if, if you were watching a movie and, and there was like a scene where the guys were home brewing and you saw them like do a couple of the steps out of order, you'd be like, no. And it just, it rips you out of the scene when you're an expert in that thing. Okay. So I was nervous and skeptical about Billy and Amantha going hunting, but I'm gotta say they got it right. So kudos to Ray, the writer, kudos to uh, um, Stephen Gyllenhaal, who really, I think, is just an extraordinary director because I thought this scene was, I mean, this whole episode was directed very well. Um, but the hunting scene, okay, I think they're hunting doves because that's the only type of hunting you would do where you'd go and stand, like, sit with a shotgun in trees uh, on the edge of a field when Billy gets there, this is super subtle. You probably didn't notice this. He took off his blaze orange hat and he put on his camo hat. He, she asked if they were going to shoot a deer. He said, it's not deer season, at least not for rifle. So it's bow hunting season, which is September, October, which also happens to be dove hunting season. That dove is about the earliest bird you can shoot. And then it's a flock of what looks like doves flying over this field that he takes aim at. So all, all in all, let's just say, it, it, regardless of the dialogue or the, the sparks that fly between Amantha and Billy, this, this like passes the smell test, this hunting scene from a hunter. Moving on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> a little deep in no, the weeds. I didn't know that. that. No, not at all. And it's well, just authentic. You know, I, it just shows the authenticity and the and the research. So well, that's what I wanted I, to say. Yeah. Is I is I appreciate you saying that because that's one of the things that we've said about this series from the beginning was its authentic uh, the its sense of place, and and especially growing up in that world or in a small southern town. It's I didn't grow up hunting a lot for a couple of reasons, but um, like of course all my friends did. Right. So, right. You know, that 4 30 AM, you know, that was a, one reason I wasn't down for it, but, uh, you know, that early morning start and, yeah. And then of course the, the steps that you're talking about, but yeah, it just adds to that. You, you just write what you know and, and the folks who have gathered around the show are, are clearly mining what they know for all this, not only entertainment, but creating a real space, believable characters and, and 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 two characters here using this space using i mean using this moment using this activity to bring these two people together because what a what a great test for amantha if you think about it like what a great position to find her or to put her in because she's such a restless young woman 
and Billy is so calm because Billy says to her multiple times, we can just be. And I get the sense that just being is about the most difficult thing that Amantha could do. Yeah. And what better person to put her with? He's so good for her because he's just lets whatever she throws out just roll yeah. off his back. And yeah. like he said, we can just be, and you know better than anybody, Tony, like the just being part of hunting, that that is going to drive her nuts, right? Of being alone with her thoughts, of being with a person who's just going to kind of let her be, even if she, even if that being is not what he wants or, or it, she doesn't even know what it is that she or who yeah, she is. Yeah, I mean. He, what what I would say in in kind of the the meta big meta narrative perspective is I think what this show okay anytime we're watching a show what we're looking for is character development and we don't want flat characters and I think part of the brilliance of this show is that characters that we used to despise now we love. And characters whom we used to love, we now are growing to despise. And in some ways, it's like Daniel... I mean, this is what's kind of crazy to me. Daniel has not really changed. He's still this kind of struggling... I don't know about one-dimensional, but he's not evolving. Meanwhile, I would say like... Okay, this is just to respond to what you're saying about Amantha. I would have said that before. I would have said that in season one, season two. But now I think Amantha is like way more comfortable in her own skin. Like she's not embarrassed to be working at Thrifty Town or to be living in Pauly or to be out on a date with a guy she went to high school with who mows lawns. Like she's she's okay with who she is now. And she wasn't earlier Meanwhile, we used to, I mean, we used to love Tawny and just think Tawny was just the cutest, sweetest, you know, um, most empathetic, altruistic person. And now we're like, Teddy just calls her out when he says, you're, look, you're not looking for a husband, you're looking for a saint. And Teddy, I, I used to be like so down on him. I just thought he was like a nasty frat boy, like an SEC football frat boy. No offense. and. He's now this. He's like, you think I'm an SEC frat boy? <laughs> Thank you. Okay. He's like, continue. He's, he's like, Teddy is self actualized. So I, I know what you're saying about you put Amantha in this scene. Is she going to squirm and be uncomfortable because she has to sit quietly at the edge of a field with Billy? And it's like, no, she seems okay with it now. She wouldn't have been okay with it in season one when Daniel's just getting out of prison. She was, she couldn't even think straight. She was beside herself. She was an absolute basket case. And now she's like, you know, she's good with it. Which, so all that to say, I'm so, I'm just so impressed with the evolution of these characters and how they have developed. But tell me what you think about this thesis that I'm positing here that in some ways, Daniel is the one character who is not evolving. There's cracks to that thesis about him not evolving in this episode. Uh-huh. Only in only in so far as he is discussing open to talking about PTSD with Chloe. 
who's mm-hmm. who really tells him like it is right that she says look I, everybody in this world deals with stuff or has stuff and they have to either deal with it or make peace with the fact that they're not dealing with it and right. she says to him you don't have the luxury of not dealing with your stuff and you probably have uh, you know clearly have more stuff than most people and so i think that awakens Daniel a little bit. I think he's slowly mm-hmm. starting to come around, which I do think is um, a move in his evolution, just a moment, a step because t- to do otherwise would to, to stay static. Like you're talking about, he would just be Daniel still kind of reserved and withdrawn. But I see him mm-hmm. making these baby steps in this episode. And when it was over, that's what Amy and I talked about is, you know, there's, there are really three or four things here that have to be wrapped up and, or uh, dealt with over these next four episodes. Uh, Obviously one is the case, the the larger case about who killed Hannah, which we can come back to because that's an important thread in this episode. And then Mm -hmm. Teddy and Tawny, we want to come back to that one. Amantha seems to be moving we seem to know that like maybe in the next three or four episodes, maybe we can leave Amantha to say, okay, she may have this new relationship with Billy, which could be really sweet and special. And then of course the whole Janet, Ted, what are they going to do with the property and all that kind of stuff? But Daniel's somehow peace of mind is that, is that thread for him? Like can, yeah, what will it take for us to leave this series or for this series to end? And what's, what's that feeling we're going to have about Daniel? You know, when, when we really get into a show, when Amy really likes a show, she often jokes like for out walking plans, she'll be like, Oh, I wonder what, I wonder what Daniel's doing right now. You know, mm-hmm. like these characters have kind of embedded themselves. And so when this, when this series is over, what, what will have happened and how will that make us think about Daniel going into the future? You know, even though, of course, there is none uh, for that character, but it would be, yeah, I think he's, I think he's on the road, but I understand what you're saying about, I think it's just unimaginably, unimaginably difficult to, I mean, we're still, what, a couple months since his release? I mean, it's in real time, it's not that long, so. Right, I mean, it's I mean, we're talking re- years of work, but. But of yeah, course, in a TV right. show, we have to you have to kind of speed everything up to kind of for the sake of the drama, which is, I, I believe, something you're you're talking about. I want to know from you when you talk about likability and evolving characters and shifting emotions and feelings, how, how are you feeling about Teddy and Tawny? Well, I thought it was kind of a, you know, uh, I thought it was a breakthrough this week when they're on date night. And I mean, I really, honestly, I, um, I sympathize with Teddy because he's like, he's angry. He's, he's angry and he's, he's confused. You know, his whole life is kind of up in the air because maybe the store is going to be sold to a national pharmacy chain, but they didn't really get a hard offer. They got kind of a soft offer. So he's meeting with his wife and he's like expressing his emotion and frustration around that, which is 
100% normal and natural for him to do it. And she starts getting like weird about it. And, and, you know, she, she says, why are you angry? He said, I'm not like, I'm not angry with you. I'm just like, I'm frustrated or whatever he says. I told Amy, I said his, his feelings are hurt because he doesn't feel he's feeling that distance. And, and he's like, it's that, not that about one degree you. away. It, yeah, yeah it's, exactly. It's, it's not about you, Tawny. This is not about you. I, I just like, I should be able to emote. And, and she says, well, when you get mad, it scares me, which, okay, that could be rooted in her past and she could be triggered by that. And, absolutely 100% fair. And she's now just like coming to terms with the exactly. fact that, yep. that she's got issues with angry men, you know, but that's, that's really her. That's really her thing to solve. Not Teddy's. She's got to work, th- work that out with Rebecca. Yeah. And, um, and then I thought, I mean, I thought Teddy, I was so proud of Teddy when he was like, you don't need a husband, you need a saint. And he puts money down and walks out. And I thought, yeah, that's right. You, Teddy, you know, you deserve to be with somebody with whom you can share your emotions. And if you had a bad day at work, you should be able to talk about your bad day at work without her feeling intimidated by you or trying to solve it or or whatever else. And, and- Here's the other I, thing too. Yeah. That yeah. Teddy Teddy would not have done that in season 1. Talk about an evolution. I mean, Teddy is uh exhibiting a little bit more emotional intelligence than he could have yeah. a few ups, a few seasons ago in part because he's been in therapy with Rebecca in part because he's trying to give Tawny her space and to understand who he is as an individual and if and how their relationship could work or grow and heal, but he is aware of what's going on inside him. And he is now faced with somebody who doesn't have that kind of insight or is uh, unable to see that because of her own struggles. Yeah, I I think that's right. But, and, and I thought, um, again, I, I hate to be just like, so, uh, over the top about how much I love the way that they're doing this, this series. But for Tawny to call Teddy, for Teddy not to answer, for Tawny to leave a voicemail. I, again, I thought Stephen Gyllenhaal's directing here was so superb because then we're seeing Tawny leaving the voicemail at the same time we're he- watching Teddy listen to the voicemail. And Teddy starts crying, sobbing, you know, it's, it's exactly what he wants is for Tawny to say, I'm sorry, I wasn't there for you today. Um, I I'd love to talk to you, you know, that kind of epiphany or breakthrough is exactly what she's going to need to do to, to stay in this marriage. So again, it's just showing, I think, it's just so well-written, well-directed, well-acted. It's real to me. That seems real to me. As somebody who's been in and out of marriages, you know, like been in a marriage that didn't work, now in a marriage that does work, been in therapy, I've been on the sending and receiving end of really overwrought emotional voicemails and text messages with my ex that a lot of tears, a lot of anger you know, I could go on and on. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's hard 
to accurately portray that in a television show. And I think what we see happening is so, so important. And honestly, okay. Again, uh, call me callous or whatever. But to me, as a viewer, it's so much more important to me for for Teddy and Tawny to be having this and working so hard to make it work and doing their own work, their own personal self-work, than it is for Daniel and Chloe to be like busting walnuts and drinking beer at a country star's home and like kind of playing hooky from their lives. I'm like, you two are children. You're acting like children. And Tawny and Daniel, I mean, sorry, Tawny and Teddy are acting like adults. Yeah. But I think, I think that's what Daniel needs though. You don't, I, I, I wonder if like you were, you were hard on Amantha early in this podcast. Yeah. And now you're really hard on Daniel. And I'm kind of like, I think Daniel can have that space to play or to, I mean, he's got a job, Mm. you know, to figure out, to live life, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think, I think Chloe's good for him. I like the, both of these elements, so to speak, both of these relationships and who knows what will happen with Daniel and Chloe especially at the end um, because Daniel is dealing with some, what is that rage at the end there? Yeah. Um, Anger. And to to talk about going from the sublime to the ridiculous um, or the absurd, you know, this guy just going at it in the bed, uh, not even hiding anything from Daniel and to know what he's just had is now tainted by this experience. So yeah, I don't, I, I'm a little less um, put off by Chloe and Daniel, but I think uh, one thing that we could, that we should talk about. I mean, I think that the major thing, if we wanted to keep this relationship theme, I don't really see much to talk about with Janet and Ted. I mean, they've got a big decision. Janet has a big decision to make. I do find it, frustrating i'm i'm a little frustrated by janet wanting yeah. you know kind of not letting ted in and mm-hmm. ted wanting to go to nashville that surprised me actually totally surprised ted, me ted admitting that he wants to try to make things right with daniel because of course everything that happened with teddy and that's very commendable and mm-hmm. ted really trying to support janet talking about he'll drive her he'll stay out of the way and of course she as to your point like you said last week, she is treating Daniel like a child. Yeah. And she says, well, only if Daniel says it's okay or whatever. No, I know. That's really so not up to Daniel. I mean, D- so Ted can offer to make, yeah, Ted can make the offer to make peace and to reconcile. I mean, that's his right yeah. uh, to offer that to Daniel. And now that's whether right. Daniel wants to take that, Daniel seems to me the type of person who would accept Ted's, you know, uh, attempt at reconciliation, but yeah, that's their business, not Janet's. So, uh, that was, that was a little frustrating, but I, I am really intrigued by where this case is going to go. Your favorite, mm-hmm. uh, 
John Stern Esquire is on the hunt. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I wonder what you made about that sequence, maybe as we kind of wrap up uh, this week's episode. There's a lot going on, man. It feels like uh, there are four episodes. We may learn a lot. Like there may be some bombshells in these last four episodes because uh, John tracks down Trey at the local bar, corners him in the parking lot, and Trey says a couple of things that are kind of veiled, you know, kind of some insinuations about what happened on that night all those years ago. And it's just filled with intrigue, man. Like who's Roger? Who's Roger? Who's Roger? Who is Roger? I mean, these, these comments about Chris. And then of course I I believe um, John here's is on the phone with another witness. There are 20 kids that night, which we knew there were more kids than were interviewed. Chris was one of them. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, but wasn't interviewed. They got to go home. Obviously, later in the episode, again, we hear, you know, when Trey says Chris always had the most to lose. So it feels like there are all these little seeds here that even on, even in just four episodes to go, there might be, there might be a lot in store for us in regards to this incident. Yeah. What did you think about that, that, that thread in this episode? I think that John Stern goes to the house of the old sheriff and just creepily sits there in his car. It's so inappropriate for an attorney to do that. And, you know, it's, he says, well, I know his conscience is bothering him. You know, whose conscience is bothering him is John Stearns because his, his client, you know, confessed to murder, even though he doesn't know if he murdered, if he, if he murdered Hannah or not. So, I think it's creepy and weird and I mean I do get why he a- approaches Trey at the in the parking lot at the bar. I want to know who the heck Roger is. Um and then you know here's the other thing about that is that uh you know John is on the phone with Susan when he's in the in the yard of the old sheriff. Yeah. Susan is the woman Daniel had sex with in the at the um beauty parlor. Yeah, the waitress. Yeah. Oh no, no. Waitress. No, no, no the, 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 the woman who cut his hair, the hairdresser. Yeah. That's Susan. So she was so there. She was there. She was there also. She said there were 20 kids there. Now, of course, we've known this. We've known that there were 20 kids who were brought in for questioning that night because it's been revealed to us in, you know, from the Senator and the old sheriff and and Sheriff Carl, but this is John Stern is just learning about this. So what's interesting to me. Okay. So you're asking about my overall take on this, like this plot line, the, 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 the trial and like who, who killed George. And we know it was a suicide who killed Hannah and what part Trey plays in that. Why is what, I mean, I think it's fascinating when he says, Chris has the most to lose. Chris, Chris always had the most to lose. I don't know if Chris's parents were like, you know, wealthy, big shots or whatever. The All, all that I think when this stuff is happening is I'm like, but there's only four episodes left. <laughs> you know, like I, I know. want, yeah, I want that. Like it, it's, it's like a, I want a better call Saul spinoff. Like I want Trey to get his own show or Sheriff Carl to get his own show. Let's after, do, uh, let's do after property, rest. property, rent. Another property renovation show with Trey. Yeah, I mean, I want something where there's a spinoff that 
that takes this aspect of like what happened that night, you know, whether it's Trey and Sheriff Carl as teenagers or whatever, but I love that. I love that, um, aspect of, of the, the show and that plot line. And I'm, you know, excited to see where it goes. And, uh, which you only have to wait six more days. Or, I mean, in fact, you probably could just turn this off and go binge the next four episodes, which oh, I really I wanted to do. do that. I, I really wanted do to do. But hey, uh, this was, an, I think, a stellar episode. Like you said, very well written and, and extremely well directed. And yeah. I know that we're looking forward to having Scott back on next week to talk about his episode. I believe it's Pineapples in Paris, uh, regardless, episode 405, which we'll be discussing next week. Tony, this we've got four left. I can't believe it. We we almost made it. No, it's hard to believe, and and I continue to really enjoy the show. Um, and I know that um, you know I I'm really excited to look to talk to Scott as we kind of really we're in the home stretch, man, and we get to talk to one of the head writers uh, who also directed and is a producer and everything else. So, yeah, definitely tune in next week as we talk about four hundred five. Uh, with Scott and say your prayers. Maybe Ray, maybe Ray will pay us a visit uh, and say your prayers and you'll be all right. (laughs) Say your prayers, Tony. Thanks everybody. Take care. Take care. Mm -hmm.